street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. I'm happy to be here. Well, this is my first uh, workshop I'll be doing for the uh, Secular Student Alliance on Street Epistemology. Uh, so, I, my name is Dan. I go by Objectively Dan online. Like you said, I co-founded the uh, Street Epistemology YouTube channel, um, and I do a podcast with Anthony Magnabosco on the topic of street epistemology. And you're probably wondering what the heck is that? You keep saying it over and over again. Well, first, I'd like to uh, introduce you a little bit about who I am, just a bit more. So, uh, actually, I'd like to know, raise your hand if you've seen this video. Has anybody seen this? Okay. So, in case you're wondering who that handsome fella is on the right side, that's me. Um, about three years ago, um, I worked for a, uh, a college evangelist ministry, uh, and Anthony Magnabosco approached me one day on uh, my college campus and asked me a few questions about my belief. Um, and it was an interesting conversation. In fact, I was so enamored by it, we ended up talking for about 35 minutes. Um, and that conversation is still available on YouTube today, and that's the thumbnail for it if you want to watch it. About a year and a half later, I kind of came out as a non-believer, um, and I do attribute this conversation as part of it. It kind of opened up some of my doubts, but it also gave me the skills for critical thinking. Um, and I think it's a really effective method for other people to use as well. Um, so I'm actually the first person to come out from another side of the conversation to presenting uh, for a, a street epistemology workshop but that I know of so far. So even today we're making history here. The street epistemology movement has only been around for about five years now and we've all been growing since then. So uh, this is a, kind of the overview of what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, I'm going to be showing you a video example of how it works as well as well as reviewing the method. I'm going to be giving you some real world scenarios that you can use um, when you, for your own college campuses and how you might be able to apply for your activism. I'm also going to be uh, doing a role play session with you guys, so I'm going to let you guys try the method amongst yourselves. We're going to see how that goes. I'm also going to talk about a little challenge I have for you guys with this conference. And then at the end, we're going to be having some questions and answers. Sounds good? Okay, so what is street epistemology? So uh, that word epistemology is kind of a big word. It's the study of knowledge, the philosophical study of knowledge. And the street, of course, is this idea that we can use this method anywhere. Um, so I like this definition here, street epistemology is a conversational tool that helps people reflect on the reliability of the methods used to arrive at their deeply held beliefs. So we in the non-believers community, we kind of like to do these debates, we kind of see these all the time, and they're very fun and they're very popular, but as we all know, sometimes we have debates and the other person doesn't change their mind, right? In fact, more often than not, the other person doesn't change their mind. Um, and the one thing people say about debates is, well, it's not about the person you're talking to, it's about the people that's watching, right? But what about the people that we're talking to? Well, hopefully this method will actually be able to help you talk to and understand the person that you're talking to and their beliefs. Um, and it's quite, uh, quite different from a uh, debate, and I'm going to show you some of the advantages of this method first, and then we're going to actually talk about the method itself. So one thing that's great about street epistemology is that it's good for all claims. So this isn't just an atheist method. Um, anybody with any kinds of beliefs should be able to use this on anybody with any other kinds of beliefs. So we want to know the reasons why they believe, and we want to know if those reasons are reliable. 
So another great thing about this method is that it's organic or initiated. So you might have seen some street epistemology videos that uh, people are going out on the streets and having conversations, and that's great to initiate those methods, uh, initiate those conversations, but really you can use this method anywhere. You can have this conversation with your parents, uh, you can have this with your friends, coworkers. Um, there's lots of different applications for it, so uh, it's quite useful for that. Another thing, like I was saying before, that it's questioning, not telling. Uh, so many people, when they have conversations about beliefs, they make the mistake of trying to tell other people, you know, what's true and what's not, and then that, that kind of goes on a side tangent, and, and things get get really crazy. Um, really, it's not about what you believe at all, and so that's kind of uh, different from what we usually think about when we have these conversations. Usually, it's you versus them, but really, we're kind of a mirror to the other person. We want them to reflect on their own beliefs, um, and we, we kind of use the method to do that instead. So I would love to talk at a Christian conference one day, or a Hindu conference one day, and give a talk on street epistemology, because really, the method can be used by anyone. Another thing is we try to avoid the backfire effect when we talk about street epistemology. Now, the backfire effect is a psychological phenomenon. Now, uh, raise your hand if this has ever happened to you. You're talking to somebody about something, and then you show them like a scientific paper that says that they're completely wrong, but then like they don't care about it, and they still you know, choose their beliefs anyway. Has that ever happened to anybody? That's what happens to pretty much all of us. So we have to wonder, well, here's the evidence for why you're wrong. You know, why aren't you taking this seriously? Well, there's this phenomenon called the backfire effect. And what it means is if you have a deeply held belief, and that is a belief that kind of attunes to your identity, um, if you show something that's contrary to that belief, some sort of evidence or otherwise, that that person can actually deeply hold their belief even more. So you're actually doing worse when you have some of these conversations with people. So we have to keep those ethics in mind uh, when we have these conversations. And street epistemology is great because you're not using counter apologetics, you're not using some sort of other kinds of methods. This is all about the other person in their beliefs, you're addressing them where they're at. Uh, which is my next point, you're meeting them where they're at. Uh, like I said, you don't have to know a whole lot about science, you don't have to whole, know a whole lot about philosophy to know this. Um, this is a method that you can be picked up at any time to be used at any time. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of the advantages of the method itself. You don't have to do a lot of studying on the back end to kind of get this through. Once you know the method itself, it's kind of self-sufficient. It's really cool. Another advantage of this method is that you can use it to measure progress. And we do this through something called a confidence scale. Um, so basically, before we even talk to the person, we ask them how confident they are about their beliefs between a scale between 0 and 100%. Now, not everybody who calls himself a street epistemologist uses this. Um, I remember Anthony actually used this on me, um, and I, I hated it. I thought it was stupid because we were talking about a God belief at the time, and I was like, well, how can you talk about the subjective belief through like these concrete numbers? That doesn't make sense. So it's kind of an optional way, but it is a way to show that you're measuring progress because you can say, how confident are you at the beginning of this conversation versus how confident are you at the end of this conversation? So if somebody is honest enough about their beliefs to admit that they've kind of lowered their confidence, then you know that you're making progress. And by the way, we want to know that uh, these people are having good methods for their beliefs. So not all the time do we want people to actually lower their confidence about their beliefs. If this is a good belief, and they have good reasons to believe it, then we don't necessarily want them to lower their confidence. And it's always up to them. We're not necessarily the arbiters of truth. We're not telling people what's right and what's wrong, necessarily. We're telling people, uh, do they have, or we're asking people, do they have good reasons for their belief? That's really all that we're doing. And lastly, one of the best uh, advantages of this method is that it's very accessible. And you want to be accessible to this. Uh, so you can have a conversation with someone 
Um, and if you have a card or something or you have a phone number, you can keep wanting to keep talking to a person, especially if you're on campus and you decide to do a street epistemology kind of event. Um, you know, it's very easy to keep going with the conversation. Um, you don't have to like, oh, I have to go read this book and then get back to you on it. You know, you can kind of keep things going. Um, it, it's really simple to, to do that. Okay, so now I'm going to show you um, the, this kind of triangle that we use to explain what the method is about. Um, so you'll see that there's a hierarchy of what, why, and how. Those represent what kinds of questions you're going to be asking when using this method. So what questions are pretty easy? Um, they're talking about belief. So we're asking, let's say, um, let's say we're talking about a God belief. Somebody says they believe in God. Right? So what do they mean by God? That's the first thing we want to ask. Right? There's a lot of people that have different definitions of God, and if we don't know what we're talking about, then you know, they could be talking about completely different things. Now you notice the second question there says, how confident are you about this? And it doesn't start with what, but it doesn't matter what the question starts with, it's about the subject of the question. Really, how confident are you about that is kind of still talking about that belief. Okay? Um, so it still is a kind of a what question, if that makes sense. The next thing you do when you're talking to somebody using the street epistemology method is you want to know the why, or the reasons why that person holds that belief. So why do you think that's the case is a great why question. So if we're talking about the God belief again, why do you believe in God? You know, It's pretty simple. Um, you don't have to do a whole lot of uh, thinking on that. They, they kind of come pretty naturally on that. The other ones, you know, like, what is your main reason? So there could be multiple reasons when you're talking to somebody of why they have that belief. But we want to pick the strongest reason and go with that and see how much that reason actually affects their confidence. <laughs> Lastly, and most important to the method, is we want to talk about the, people we, uh, the methods that people are using for their beliefs. So another uh, way to phrase these kinds of questions are how did you conclude that's true? What method did you use for this? Or why do you think that's reliable? So let's say that somebody is talking about their God belief, and um, they say, uh, I believe in God because uh, the Bible says it is real. Okay, that's kind of a simple one, right? So um, how did you conclude that the Bible is a reliable way of knowing what's true and what's not true? You know, um, and, and then you kind of go from there. So it, it's kind of this, uh, and most of the time when you have these conversations, uh, the, the how questions are going to be the majority of the kinds of questions you're going to be asking. Um, and that's why we have that uh, that triangle. The, the what is kind of the simple ones. You want to get those out of the way. The why can can kind of keep going on. The majority of the conversations you're having are focused on these kind of how questions. We want to also make sure that we're focused on one belief at a time, um, and so that uh, you keep the conversations more focused as well. So now I'm going to show you a video example of how all this works. Uh, and this is actually from an SSA student that Anthony Magnagos and Magnabosco interviewed a few years ago. Um, it's a nine minute video, but I think you're gonna really like it. Uh, this girl is named Kiana, and the conversation was about a belief in karma. And so you'll notice these two things at the top. I have the belief triangle at the top left, and that's going to be highlighting certain parts whenever Anthony asks those kinds of questions. So for the what questions, the what, what will be highlighted, the what and why, uh, etc. So you'll be able to see that. And then the top right, we're gonna be keeping track of a few things that you should also be keeping track of when you're having these street epistemologies epistemology conversations. Uh, the first one is pausing. So sometimes when we have conversations with people, we don't allow enough time for just space to just kind of reflect and think about things. And that's good for like any kinds of conversations you have. Sometimes, you know, especially with non-believers, when we have conversations with people, we want to immediately go to the next thing, right? Like we're ready for our next response. But sometimes it's good to just let things sit. So we're going to keep track of the pauses. 
We're also going to keep track of how many times Anthony is asking questions. And this number is going to get pretty big because pretty much all street epistemology conversations are, are you asking questions? Remember, we're not holding a belief necessarily. We're not saying necessarily that the belief that they hold is true or not true. All we're doing is asking whether the method that they use to conclude that that belief is true is reliable or not. And so really, you shouldn't be uh, telling anything. And that's what we're talking about at the bottom here, the telling. The telling should be close to zero. It actually goes up a few times in this conversation, but really we should avoid people telling anything uh, because it's not about what we think, right? It's not about what we believe necessarily. All we're doing is asking questions. And lastly, the other thing here uh, that I skipped over is repeating. Um, it's good to repeat what the other person is telling you so that you make sure that you get them correctly and then you understand what they're saying. Um, and you'll see that happen a couple of times as well. So let's go ahead and get this video example started. Hi. Do you have five minutes for an interview? Sure. All right. Awesome. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm live streaming and recording. You down with that? Yeah. All right. My name's Anthony. Hello, Anthony. I'm Kiana. Hi. It's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> you too. Such a smiling face. Are you happy for about something, or do you um, have good news, or <laughs> you look really happy? Well, school's out, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm you have finals that. next week? Yes. Have s I had some earlier this week, and now I have some. Okay. Yeah. May I get the spelling of your first name? K-I-A-N-A. -A. Kiana. Yes. All right, cool. Key. All right, my name is Anthony, and what I do is just flag down random people walking by okay. to ask them if they hold any deeply held belief that they want to spend five minutes just chatting about, and I time it for five. Deeply and held. Yeah, it could be about anything. Usually it's like spiritual stuff, mm -hmm. but it can, it can really broach any topic. Like okay. gods, karma, magic, ghosts, that type of stuff. Let's see. Do you want to burn five minutes and just chat about something like yeah, that? Yeah, let me. Would you chat okay. with me or am I just strictly talking? I'm going to ask questions. Okay, good. And I want to understand why you believe it. Okay, cool. And it's going to be completely like non confrontational. Okay. And probably even Go for fun. It. Go for it. Time, five minutes. All right. Okay. So you can pick any topic you want. Okay, um, let's go with karma. Karma? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Before we even get any further, okay. how do you define it? Because I want to make sure I understand it. Hmm, let's see. I would say good or bad, what you do could eventually come back to you. Okay. Good or bad. And that's karma. Yeah. Do you have a, a really vivid example of something that happened that you would say karma? Ooh. For me personally, I feel like whenever I say something mean about someone in my head, or if I speak it out in public, um, I'll like break out. And honestly, that's probably not why I break out, but I'll be like, karma. Oh, pimples, karma. interesting. Karma for being being ugly. If you don't think or say anything bad about a no, person? No, if I do. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But if you, if you don't say anything bad... Or think anything bad about a mm -hmm. person? Do you notice a, a different difference in your complexion? Honestly, like right now, my skin's on a good on a good turn, and I haven't been thinking ugly thoughts. So. Okay. Wow. But that's just a small tidbit of something. Like if I litter, okay, something bad. I have bad luck, so something bad will happen. And I'm just like, it's because I littered. Okay. Yeah. So if you were driving home, or whatever, mm -hmm. heading home, and you tossed out some trash on the road. Mm -hmm. 
and something bad happened to you later, you would... Attribute it to that. You'd attribute it to that? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm a strong believer in karma. And if I do something good... You're really strong. Yeah. How sure are you that it's true? Zero to 100. 100% Ooh. all confidence, no doubt. Zero percent uh, all doubt. I would say... 82%. 82? <laughs> the two matters, yes. What do you study here? I study communication. Okay. 82% <laughs> confident yeah. that karma is real, that it mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go to this example of you go heading home. Okay. Trash out the window. Mm-hmm. What would be an example of something happening that you would attribute to that action? Hmm common things that I either break something or okay you'd break a dish or something and yeah break something something will break a nail okay it's just little things I'm just like you know this is because I littered okay is there a certain amount of time that can pass usually happens within the day within a 24 hour period of time you'll get karmically punished mm-hmm. for a bad action mm-hmm. wow <laughs> and I I don't know I just attribute it to those things because if you if you live a good life ultimately good things will happen to you that's how I feel mm. Mm-hmm. if you didn't litter didn't and litter. you didn't think bad things about mm-hmm. people or call names mm-hmm. or whatever and you were just good for the rest of your life mm-hmm. would you never experience bad things I think it all goes into my mindset as well so if I think if I live a good life and something does something bad does happen to me I feel like I would have a better mindset towards it like oh it's not that bad you know what I mean like no okay let me, let me sorry just, no it's fine um, so if I did something bad, okay. something bad happened, I would attribute it to that thing and I'd be like, I'm not living a good life. Yes. But if I lived a good life and something bad happened to me, I would have a better mindset towards it. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't get to me as much as if I did something bad before. Does, am I making any I, type of I sense? think I understand. Do you get what I'm saying? Y- yes. You have a better outlook on life when you do positive things. Right. Even if something bad happens. Even if something bad happens to you, you'll be able to handle it better. Because you're just mm-hmm. like... Yet, how would you know that you being good and avoiding all this... How would you know that it's not karmic punishment? How would I know it's not? Mm. I guess it really just still goes back all into how I... Like, my mindset. Just, I'm doing positive things, so this can't be a punishment for all the positive things I've done. It's just things happen I don't know I'm things I'm happen crazy. yeah how do you <laughs> I'm like am I, am I crazy we have 10 seconds okay and we can go longer if you have the time okay how do you differentiate karmic punishment from things happen mm. I think it would be just things that are just how did this happen why did this happen uh Oh, that is a good question. You're making me rethink my whole life. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like it would just... If I did something bad and something bad happened immediately after, I feel like this is... This has to correlate. Like, 
this is punishment. God's telling me don't do that again. I don't know. That was a good question. Because I'm trying to think of anything bad that's happened and I feel like I've been doing good. I usually just brush it off. Because I, like I said, my mindset's in a different place. If I haven't done anything wrong, I'm just like, it'll get better. It's almost like a snowball effect for me. If I do something bad and then something bad happens, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then my mindset is in such a bad place. Maybe karma is not even just something bad happening to you, but just getting you in a in a space that just, well, at least for me, getting you in a space that just, to make you live a better life in the end. Huh. Now I'm like, that percentage looks a little 82%. I'm going to stick with it. If you have no way of telling the difference between karmic punishment mm -hmm. and things just happening, mm -hmm. why believe in it at all? Hmm. I guess it's just something I live by. It's going to get me through. Honestly. Is 82% the most accurate spot to be? on the confidence now it isn't I would now you're gonna make me go back home and think about this and I'm like I need to tell him okay I'll give you a card when we're done so you can okay good can again because if I get it I'm gonna be like okay I have it let's see I would say now that I'm a little unsure I would go with 53 because I still believe it I'm like where am I going with this 53 now. Thank you so much for your time. You're awesome. Thanks. You are too. That's a pretty fun conversation, huh? So let's talk about what just went down just a little bit. So you'll notice the first minute or so, we weren't actually even talking about the belief, right? We were just kind of talking about the weather or going with that, right? So that's called building report. And that's something you learn if you're a communication studies major or if you ever do public speaking. Anytime you're going to engage with the topic with anybody, you want to kind of just build friendliness, okay? So like, hey, I'm not a robot, I'm a human too, and you're just out here kind of doing your thing. You also notice that Anthony had a timer when he had his conversations. And Anthony usually does this, and a lot of street epistemologists do. will say, hey, do you have time for a five-minute interview? And that way you know that when you're going to have a conversation with somebody, that's an incentive for you to be like, well, it's only five minutes, and here's the time when you can leave. Here's the thing, like 90 to 95% of the people will keep going after five minutes. And I think that attributes, uh, that's, a, that's a great thing to the method, because people actually enjoy having these conversations. I mean, you saw Kiana, she's smiling throughout most of that. <laughs> right? I mean, she was getting kind of deep there, kind of analyzing some of her beliefs. But she, I think you could agree that she actually genuinely enjoyed having that conversation. And that's what we want to make sure that we're having too. We want to make sure that we're building a friendly base for people to talk to. That we're not just tearing people's beliefs down, we're just trying to see if they have good methods for it. And that's such a different thing. So, I love this video example, I think it's great, and if you want to see more of a like, you can check out Anthony Macabosco's channel, and some other uh, Street of the Smalls channels as well, and I'll give you some links for that. So next I'm going to show you some real world scenarios that you can kind of use the method on for in your daily life. So this is going to be something uh, that happens more organically, uh, when somebody makes a claim to you that maybe you want to kind of challenge a little bit. 
And uh, these are probably some things that you've heard before, especially if you're a member of the SSA. All right, some of you guys have heard this before, right? Atheism is a religion. So that's kind of controversial, right? Uh, but most of y'all probably don't agree with that. So what do we do with this? No, it's easy to be like saying something sarcastic, right? But if, what if we take this from a straight epistemology standpoint? What would we say? Well, first we would kind of analyze the what, right? What would be a good what question to ask for this? Define religion. Define religion, right? Because religion is kind of a that's, a, that's a crazy word that people use for a lot of things, right? We want to make sure that we're going to use the other person's definition when we're having the conversation. So remember, again, we're not telling people what's true or what's not true. They can say religion is a carrot, okay? But we have to say that that's the definition we're going to be using for, because if they believe religion's a carrot, then that's what they believe. Um, so that's a good what question. How about a why question? What would be a why question after that? Yeah? Why do you feel this way? Why do you feel this way? So that's an interesting one. I think but we're, we're kind of talking about one of the, the reasons yeah, I mean, like that—that's a—that's a good way to put it. I would—I would say something like, um, you know, what made you come to that conclusion, right? Or uh, what, what reason do you have to believe that atheism is a religion, right? Uh, so yeah, that's a good response. So how about a how question? Anybody have a how? Okay, so if they—if they give a reason, basically we're going to be saying like, you know, how did you determine that that method was reliable, or how did you determine that that definition was a reliable definition to use for this kind of belief, right? Uh, so let's go to our next example here. I'll pray for you. Ooh, that's an easy one to get mad at, right? Yeah. Um, so this can be, you know, uh, sometimes it's genuine, sometimes it can be a little more mean. Um, but we're going to be trying to take this from a more objective, straight epistemology standpoint, right? So what would be a great what question for this? Anybody? Yeah. What are you praying for? What are you praying for is a good one. Yeah. Please define the word prayer. Define the word prayer. What do we mean when we say prayer? Are you praying to one specific deity? Are you praying to the universe? Yeah. Specifically, what prayer? Yeah, what, what is prayer? What does that mean? Are you talking? Is it is it some sort of chant? Yeah, those are great, great uh, questions. So what will be the next step? What's the why for this? Uh, why would you feel the need to pray for me? Yeah, why would you feel the need to pray for me is a good one to ask. What's the connection between your prayer and the events that happen after that? Yeah, so why do you believe that prayer works, right? That's another way to put it. Or, or why do you believe that prayer is a thing that can happen, you know? Um, and also that goes back to the what, too. Like, when you say you're going to pray for me, does that mean that when you pray you think something physical is going to happen with the world? You know, you can kind of uh, talk about that a little bit, too. So now let's talk about the how. What's a good how question for this? How? In the back. How is this going to actually work? Okay, okay. Yeah, so another way I would also phrase it would be what method did you use to determine that your prayer works or that this prayer thing, you know, has an effect on reality, right? So again, the how questions are talking about the method. So that's kind of what we want to be focusing on when we have these conversations. Let's go to the next one. I believe ghosts are real. Ooh, heat, right? All right, so what's a, uh, what's a good what question for this? It's a ghost. What's a ghost? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty simple. Some of these are kind of right themselves once you kind of get the method going. Uh, so how about uh, why? What are some why questions? Sorry, before that, I think another what uh, important question is what is real? What is real? Yeah, so you can get into some, like, real deep, 
me stop. You know, honestly, for these kinds of pragmatic conversations, for the most part, you don't really have to do that. I think most people kind of understand what you mean. You don't have to be a philosophy major to kind of understand these conversations. We want to make these conversations kind of as simple as possible. So I like the attitude, but you know, when we're talking to somebody on the street, maybe we don't want to go there unless they want to go there. Maybe they say, well, nothing is real, right? That's a claim, and that's a claim you can analyze. So yeah, it's whatever you want to do. Uh, so what's a good why question with the ghosts? Yeah. Say, um, what kind of things have led you to this belief? Yes. What reasons do you have to believe that ghosts are a thing, right? Whatever definition of ghosts they choose to use. Excellent. Now let's talk about a method question. How about how? Uh, how can the ears be real far eyes on the <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Just ha have you ever seen a ghost? Yeah, have you ever seen a ghost? That's interesting. Yeah. Really not for that. How do you know it was a ghost? How do you know it was a ghost? So let's say that their reason was some sort of experience they had. Oh yeah, um, my cabinets at my grandma's house were moving at two o'clock in the morning, so that had to be a ghost. Okay, well, how did you know that was a ghost? Right? But could it be something else? Maybe. And you'll notice in the video example as well, Anthony is also giving examples of some other possibilities to explanations for some of the claims that people are making. And that's good when you're getting to the how parts of the conversation. So how do you know it's this and not that, right? So one more real world example here, the Bible is true. So again, remember, this isn't an atheist method. This is an objective method that people can pick up. So anybody should be able to kind of ask about when somebody is making that kind of claim. Um, so, so what's a what question? Okay, so we're talking about what questions, right? So, kind of simplify it a little bit. What kind of Bible? What kind of Bible, right? What do you mean by Bible? So, most of you guys know this. There are different kinds of Bibles. People use different kinds of scriptures. So, what exactly are we talking about here, right? Which Bible? Yeah, which Bible, basically. Yeah, so that, that's one way to talk about it. Or do you mean like specific scriptures, like books in the Bible, you know? Uh, so, that's that's uh, one way to start it off. Let's talk about reasons. Anybody have a good why question? Mm, yeah, yeah. That's a that's that kind of falls between a why and a how question almost. Yeah. Why do you value the Bible? Why do you value the Bible? Right? Why do you think the Bible is true? That's a it's a great one. Uh, so what about the how questions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How could we falsify this? So uh, why do we trust the Bible and not the next book sitting next to it on the library, right? What makes the Bible more special than this? What are the methods or anything like that? Yeah. Are there any stories in the Bible that don't believe the truth? Ooh, that's a good one, right? So yeah, if the claim is the Bible is true, then the implication there is everything in there is true. So yeah, if you pull something out and you say, well, do you believe everything is true? But remember, we're not going to do counter apologetics, right? We're not pulling up examples because uh, where it's all about what that other person believes. So yeah, a good one would be to ask, do you believe everything in it's true, right? Because there are different parts, so that's good to know. Okay, so now we're gonna do a bit of a role play session. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to find somebody next to you, and I'd like one of you to make a claim, and the other person to try to use the street epistemology method on them. And I think we're gonna have time to be able to do both sides, so you'll both be able to play both roles. Now, it can be something you actually believe, or it can be something that, um, you know, you, you're thinking. 
um, and you can pick some realistic responses for. But I'd like to actually to really try this method and see how well it works. I'm going to have a timer up here for five minutes, and I'm going to be letting you know as the time counts down. And I will start the timer. that kind of get used to this method because we kind of already have our own ways kind of integrated into the way that we communicate with people. So a lot of people tell me, well, Dan, you know, I like what you're doing, but, you know, I can never do that. And I say, look, it's not like I figured this out in a day, okay? Uh, and Anthony certainly did either. In fact, if you watch some of Anthony's earliest videos, they're pretty bad. Because uh, one where he talks to this street preacher in San Antonio, and he's like making snide remarks at him and stuff. It's quite funny for entertainment, but it's not good for convincing people whether their beliefs or not are true. And that's what we really care about. We're not here to tear people down. We're not here to make fun of people. We're here to find good methods to find reliable ways to discover truth, right? So I have a little challenge for you guys. I would love for you to find a claim for you to challenge using the SE method, street epistemology method. Um, and if you can do that for me, and we're about to go to lunch, right? And so while you're listening at lunch or somebody, listen for somebody to, to make a claim for something. If you can do that, and you can come to our uh, table after this uh, after the workshop, uh, we have a special street epistemology water bottle we'd like to give you guys. Also, we have free t-shirts as well. That's right, free, um, that we're completely paid for. Um, I had a GoFundMe campaign to help me come to this conference and so that we could buy t-shirts for you guys because I'm a college kid, and there's two things I care about. It's free food and free t-shirts. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoy that. Um, so yeah, and come and, and we'd love to have you featured on our channel. We're, we're planning on filming a few reactions to our workshop today, and if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, that would be awesome as well. So if you want to find more resources, streetepistemology.com is the place to go. You can find Anthony's videos, you can find more resources to kind of uh, learn about the method better. If you want to organize some sort of SE event on your campus, that's another way to do it as well. And speaking of that, I have something that I am starting for this conference specifically that I got through with Anthony. So I'm a part of the Street Epistemology Facebook group page, and there's a lot of different street epistemologists on there that just love talking about the method and love helping other people. So I thought, what if we gave you guys a direct connection to all these guys who are willing to teach this method? And they agreed to help me out. So if you come to our table and you want your SSA group to have a direct connection with the street epistemology community for somebody to come to your campus to teach the method, um, to help you organize an event, or just to give you resources, give us your email address at our table, and we're gonna get you up with our new mentorship program that we're starting brand new for this conference. So it's gonna be really cool, and I'm really excited about that. So if you wanna find more ways to find me, that's my Twitter, Objectively Dan, that's the fastest way to respond to me. You can also find me on the street epistemology study group page. Uh, we got a couple thousand members on there. Um, I, I lurk on there most of the times. I post on there sometimes, and you can find all their people who are learning and studying the method and just having great conversations about it as well. If you want to see me on YouTube, you can look at me at the Street Epistemology channel where I co-host the podcast Epistemic with Reed Nicewonder and Anthony Magnamosco. Reed, Reed Nicewonder, otherwise known as Cordial Curiosity. You might have seen his channel as well. And every two weeks, we talk about uh, street epistemology stuff. We have great guests on. It's really, really fun. Um, and I also started my own personal channel called Objectively Dan. 
Um, I just started a little while ago, and there's not a whole lot of stuff on there. I've been busy trying to plan this and some other stuff. Uh, but I want to post some more stuff on there, too. And that's enough way to kind of contact me through uh, messaging me as well. And if you want to dig deeper as well, you can come visit our table. Or like I said, we have resources and free t-shirts and stuff. And if you notice those two symbols and you recognize it, I got my two friends, Genetically Modified Skeptic and Telltale Atheist from the YouTube Atheist community to come help out and help teach about street epistemology. Uh, so yeah, there's lots of people on YouTube who are also using this method that don't just post street epistemology videos, but are supporters of the method as well. Um, so I'm thankful for those guys for helping me to come out. And before we do questions and answers, I just want to give a special thanks again to the people who donated to my GoFundMe page, and also to the people of the street epistemology community. And I'd also like to dedicate this workshop to Anthony Magnabosco for, without him, I would not be here speaking at this conference event, and uh, it's a real honor to be here, so thank you for that. Um, and that's the end of my presentation. Thank you very much. minutes before the end so that I can answer some questions from you guys. So right here. Are there certain types of personalities where this method doesn't work at all? Great question. Are there certain types of personalities where the method doesn't work at all? Possibly. Um, I think this method works better uh, than most for most situations, if that makes sense. I think it works best for people who are willing to be honest about themselves and what they believe. Um, one thing, in my own video, I said I had 100% confidence in my God belief. And that wasn't actually true at the time. I actually had some doubts. Um, and so like, even though I wasn't exactly being honest about myself, I was still able to critically analyze my beliefs. And it's all about you know, putting pebbles in people's shoes, making people think about it. Uh, because you're not just, you know, you're not trying to deconvert somebody in like 15 minutes. That's not what this is about. Again, we're, we're talking about analyzing the methods of our beliefs. If somebody changed their minds completely on a belief after a nine minute conversation, I would wonder about that. I would think that that's kind of crazy. I don't think most people do that, and that's okay. This is a starting point. This is a way for people to kind of pick up the tools to critically think for themselves. So like hostile, for example? Hostile so, situations. Yeah, so hostile situations, you got to be careful for. You know, you want to protect yourself and your own safety as well. I would recommend trying to start this method with friends and practicing and stuff before you want to uh, have conversations with strangers. Yes, back here. What would you recommend for SSA groups to, like, do you think tabling would be the best method or reaching out to, like, a religious group and having, like, a, like almost like a social or what? Great, great question. What is the best thing for the SSA groups to use this method? Um, so I've heard that some of you guys have done tabling events before with SSA, and I think that's great. I don't think you guys have to get a camera and go out and talk to people at all. I think you can just have conversations right there on your campus. I come from the SSA at Baylor University. I don't go to Baylor, but I go to the one there. We are not an officially recognized SSA group, which means we don't get to advertise on campus, we don't get to say that we're a real group, we technically don't exist. We're kind of like an underground church in that way. It's kind of weird. Um, but there's nobody that's stopping us from having conversations with people. And so that's really one of the best ways for us to do activism on our campus. So yeah, I think organized events are great if you can do it. If not, you know, uh, uh, if you can have somebody from your groups trying to teach the method to the group and, 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 and spread it out that way organically, I think that's great too. Yes, uh, one more question before we go. One more question, back here. Uh, yes. What about people who claim that their claim is a truth rather than a belief, and the word relief doesn't work with them? So how do you know that it's a truth? Right, so again, that's something we can so analyze, claim right? First of all, what do they mean by truth? And then you talk about the reasons why they think that that's a truth. And what are the methods they use to determine that that's a truth? 
So I, I think the method still applies. Even if their claim is still that it's the truth, that's still a claim. And this method works on analyzing different claims. So again, I think the method, uh, that just attests to the usefulness of it, it just can work with almost anything. It, it's really fantastic. So I think that's all the questions uh, that we have time for today. Thank you so much for attending. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.